Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing Facebook's censorship of certain content. Okay, great. So Chris, can you lead us in, please? Uh, yeah, so this uh, really boils down to um, a series of, of revelations published in uh, the Guardian newspaper um, to do with uh, Facebook's set of criteria for uh, censoring censoring material uh, which is which is published uh, through through Facebook, um, and it's it's given s- such sort of revelations as um, you know uh, how Facebook makes decisions about things to do with uh, you know when is it when is it uh, acceptable to show images of children being bullied for example um you know wh- whether whether it's in a context of somebody um sort of propagating that bullying or whether it's actually somebody drawing inform- uh, drawing attention to it for sort of information and bullying prevention uh, uh, purposes so trying to distinguish between those same content but different context uh, and and a whole series of other sort of um, uh, kind of specific social media ethical issues which have um, which have arisen, ar- arisen things like um, uh, how to deal with revenge porn and um, so, some of these other phenomena that have, have uh, modern phenomena. Um, so so really our our kind of um, our our interest in in this is first of all the the technical challenges of uh determining things like like context um and and how you decide whether content that is the same is okay in one context versus being unacceptable in another context um but also just more more broadly you know some of the issues it raises about uh ethics within data science and and the, you know i think this is a growing a growing area which we we need to think about so how how does facebook do that so how do how do they police this and how do they decide as you said if it's similar content let's say take an example of bullying how do they um how do they identify whether it's just people being horrible showing some bullying or showing you know raising awareness how how do they do that at the yeah. moment so i mean perhaps peter can talk uh, a bit you know te- technically about how it's achieved in, in in a moment but um in terms of the um in terms of the sort of rules that they follow or the general principles that they they apply to deciding things like this um that this is what's actually been you know published so for for example in the in the context of um uh of you know images showing a child um being sort of physically physically abused um if if there is kind of celebratory language around around that, or it's it's you know gloating in its in its context, then uh, that's you know that's the sort of criteria they would apply to um, to removing that that content. Whereas if it's uh, you know in the context of um, isn't this a isn't this a bad thing? You know, here's here's an anti anti bullying advert, for example. Then that's uh, that's seen as permissible. So it's it's about the um, <clears throat> It's about the context of the language that's being used used around it, and also um, 
uh, the the other kinds of content that um, surround it in terms of, you know, if it's a whole series of videos of children being bullied or, or images of children being bullied, then that might uh, ring some alarm bells. Okay. Uh, Peter, so how, how do they do it? How do they... Well, what's what's quite uh, interesting is that um, the, 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 what the Guardian has exposed is there, there isn't a sort of supercomputer that understands everything that people are posting on Facebook, able to sort of scrutinise images and work out what they mean and look at words and understand what they mean. It's it's largely driven by human workers, and I think Facebook has around 7,000, although they have plans to have uh, have more, who sit down and read posts. And they, they I think they're probably anonymised in some way, so they don't know who the post is from. But they, 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 they read posts, they look at videos, and they look at images, and they apply their own their own judgment based on a, a, a set of principles laid out in the in the in in, sort of in terms of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate for various pieces of content. So, in a way, it seems you know it's, it's, it seems kind of a bit old-fashioned that they have these you have these arbiters of appropriateness, uh, human agents applying simple rules, um, and it's uh, it's probably I imagine it's assisted by uh, machine learning to techniques so once a post has been uh, deemed inappropriate uh, then the system will recognize the same post because an image match is quite an easy thing to achieve there's all there's also the the reporting mechanism of of course that you know facebook yeah so and i think yeah and the and the 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 two billion users on facebook can self-report when they find something inappropriate offensive and that presumably queues up things to look at uh, for for the the, uh, the 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 seven thousand Facebook workers to look at, um, so yeah, that's, so it's it's sort of interesting because it's so techn- it's not very technical, uh, and 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 I, and I think this is this is, is it tells you something about how how difficult it is to do this sort of thing. You still need to rely on humans to interpret it and then make a make a, va- a value call on on the content, um, and we haven't yet got systems that can automate that now i think that raises the question well do we want do we want to hand over to automated systems to decide what is appropriate you know do we want to sort of take away censorship you know do we want to hand over censorship to, to machines and let them roll with it because uh, we'll, we'll let that that will mean a world where rather than humans checking up on other humans you'll have machines checking up on other on on, on humans which which means that the, the, the we'll hand over control of what is ethically correct to uh, 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 another f- type of intelligent agent other than humans. I mean, this, uh, well, this reminds me of when we had, and his name escapes me, um, when we had the chap in talking about fraud. And was it cyber fraud? I can't remember, but it was talking about fraud. Mm-hmm. Cyber fraud. And one of the things he was talking about is actually it's quite a largely automated system where there are certain behaviors that um, can can quite easily uh, trigger an alarm. Um, But ultimately, if I recall correctly, he said the the ultimate judgment call came down to a handful of analysts um, who would sort of make a yay or nay call as to whether this was fraud or not. Is there, I mean, thinking about the language that's used in posts of this kind, for example, is there, and you talked about how 
is relatively simple for uh, image recognition, etc. What what's to stop Facebook from adopting a similar approach? Well, I'm sure they do, but ultimately it comes down to human again to make a make a call. Um, it, it, you can't it, at the moment. It seems that with even with the might of Facebook's engineering prowess, they haven't been able to eliminate the need for a human arbiter. And I, th- I think the case that really flags that up is the the um, the Vietnam War photograph uh, issue that came up, where um, it sh- you know it shows uh, sort of Vietnamese children who've you know suffer suffering during during the war and one of them's naked Mm. uh and the um the photograph was initially banned uh because of their policies on you know uh child nudity um and you know something something like that is a very complex call to to make and you know um i i i I think for me the the interesting thing is that um actually it's not a question of of uh, of should we hand these things over to um, uh, to machines? I mean, I think you know, Peter, the the, the maths that Peter gave uh, earlier on of you know two billion Facebook users and seven thousand people looking at things. If you if you simply consider the you know the amount of content that seven thousand people can actually review and the amount that's generated by two billion people, um, then that's just not a sufficient resource to to deal to deal with that and you might talk about okay using initially uh the 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 machines to cue the information to the human analysts uh so that they're not looking at everything but even even so you know the number of um the number of calls they're going to have to make is is going to you know cognitively over overload them i suspect uh so i i suppose the um uh, the the issue is not you know should but 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 how are how are we going to how are we going to do this and in any case when you have humans doing that they're they're essentially following written down algorithms when they go through this set of criteria that you know a, a decision tree that's been written for them by by Facebook and then they make an opaque interpretation of that anyway it's not like we can open up their brain and see how it how it is they've made the judgments they've made to ban or not not to ban and there's no particular transparent audit process for that so i don't see as dive divesting that to uh to machine learning is is really a great leap to be honest because you're still trying to systemize it no matter what you do even if it's humans uh, pressing a button yeah i mean it's sort of a similar model to crowdsourced work where you're slotting into a, a process of Turning work, turning information from one form into another, or making a judgment about information, uh, and rather than a, a sort of machine module, you've got a human module in there doing you, and, and harnessing the the highly parallelized and uh, extremely clever algorithms that work in, work in a human mind. Okay, so again, is this a case of well, case closed? Because if we look at a couple of uh, of the issues or concerns people might have, one of them is it's it's a kind of a how because it's, this is a question of volume and so yeah. the the question and the answer is volume why why you know why is this such an issue or how do they manage it well it's because it's so big and i guess going back to my example of fraud i guess maybe they do run it in exactly the same way as a fraud detection company might it's just the numbers are different right well, um that's and the, the, the question is somewhat different i think because fraud is a the fraud whether or not something is fraud is a very narrow part of a similar ethical framework um, 
but it, the rules are much more concrete. Um, and the data around it and the is, data much is much more quantified. quantified okay. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a similar but easier problem, I think. I mean, this is, this is essentially a really difficult sentiment analysis problem, I think, in, in, in essence, because you've got, you know, what is, what is the sentiment around this particular content? So, you've all, you know, perhaps the most difficult problem is not identifying the material which may be um uh you know um sh- maybe it should be subject to to, to banning or, or not but actually around making the decision about whether or not it, it mm. should be banned um so and there's a, yeah there's a bit of decoding what the intent of the poster was because they might be posting uh a, a sort of image of something as a as a counter example of something that shouldn't be allowed so here's a terrible image let's stop this let's 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 uh band together as a force for good to prevent this sort of thing happening but even with that i mean i think there is a way to ultimately quant- quantify that stuff because you can have a you know a sentiment score or the, the you you would have to establish some kind of rate card right um so but it's a very it's a very difficult problem because you, you know humans use irony sarcasm uh hyperbole you know double entendre and 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 we we misinterpret one another all the time so uh you know and we're very adept at using natural language whereas um you know a machine learning algorithm to try and encode and then um you know teach it how to interpret that kind of uh uh thing is is very is very difficult i think i think what something i think one interesting aspect of this is the the media's comment on what appear to be overly simplistic rules so one of the things that the the media is presenting it in the case of oh isn't this a bit shocking because these rules seem so simplistic when actually i think um the the facebook has developed these rules over many years since it's been sort of since it's been around um and uh it's in its it's in its own interest to make the best rules it can, and the rules by necessity have to be quite simplistic because you have to pay you have to employ people to work fast um, and to make uh, and empower them to make sound judgments very quickly. Um, so uh, I think that you know it's it's probably about as best a way of doing it as you can with with human agents. A- and that's not to say that it could be improved could be improved with technology, and I, I'm sure. Uh, I have no doubt that Facebook is doing everything they can to improve the improve this system because it is totally within their own interest to provide a better uh, better service. I mean, presumably, one would want to err on the side of caution here, talking about that it's slightly complex, and you'd want to err on the side of caution because, I guess, going back to the fraud example, you know, it's more clear cut has something illegal happened, yes or no, yeah. and the downside is if you get it wrong, is the I don't know, someone gets away with a fraudulent act, for example. Whereas this, I mean, let's say you erred on the side of caution and um, stopped more posts than you might normally, the downside is just get angry people. Yeah, right? well, it's a classic yeah. sort of type 1, type 2 errors uh, uh, pr- problem of, you know, do would, would, you, would, you, would you rather let things go through or would you rather stop things and you're thinking about the vol you know and and also you know what is what is facebook's censorship role um so you know i mean the platform is used and they're in a competitive market and if their if their platform suddenly stops oh i can't i can't post my content onto facebook they've become overly authoritarian or too sensitive then people will migrate to other other platforms and you know they, they were set up as an open 
communication, you know, with an open communication ethos and not to get engaged in unnecessary censorship. So I think it's a, it's a, 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 a setting that sense of, you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to have a particularly low threshold to make a huge difference to the, to the number of posts, given the volume of, of, uh, you know, content that gets, gets posted to, to Facebook. Okay. So. Peter? Uh, and yeah, I, I think Chris touching on an important point there. It's like, well, they, this is censorship, right? And censorship historically uh, has been used for pr- both good and bad things. But censorship in, you, imposed incorrectly or inappropriately can drastically alter the way that the, the, the public mind thinks and what is important in the public mind. So Facebook is having to tread a very careful line. And not notwithstanding the fact that they are, this is a global community. This is with with all the diverse cultural backgrounds and cultural norms and what is eth- what what is appro- ethically appropriate for different cultures. There is no world culture where everyone agrees and we're all sort of moderate liberals and uh, you know we don't we all agree what, what is appropriate and what is not. They're having to balance it for all different types of all different parts of the world. But I think wider though. Why do we expect Facebook to have this role? Why do we look to Facebook to self-police on this? Um, we don't expect paper manufacturers to keep tabs on what everyone is printing. You know, people can print child pornography on on paper, and, and we don't go no, to banner we, but... and uh, and complain that they've been allowed to buy that child pornographers have been allowed to buy banner paper. Okay, but I I think there are a slightly provocative question. Because um, I think even I suspect you probably don't quite believe the example that you've just said, but we'll answer the question. I mean, do you expect Facebook? To I I honestly it? don't think that Facebook should have any role in self in in being in charge of censorship. I think it's almost dangerous to allow the platform owner, the plat the the the, 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 the uh, platform creator, to be in charge of deciding what people say and think. If Facebook Facebook are their mission is to provide a an open platform for people to connect and communicate. That's sort of their main mission. So, really, it's up to the users. Um, it's up to the, the the society of people who use it to use it appropriately. Is that realistic? Well, I th- I, I I mean, I take a slightly different view. In that, you know, my my view is, Facebook are effectively a, a media company. And we do expect, you know, broadcasters, for example, to be responsible for the content. Even if it's a news interview, if the person they're interviewing uh, starts swearing, we expect the the news in we expect the broadcaster to be able to cut from that broadcast or or to you know um, censor it in in some way. And you know, in in other Facebook does make make money, of course, from. Uh, from offering this this service, you know that it, it is a, a commercial entity, um, and therefore I think they have an obligation. You know, much in the way as a train company has an obligation to prevent its passengers from coming to harm by the train crashing or allowing you know some somebody to be abusive on the on the train. Uh, I think we can you know we can expect Facebook to make reasonable adjustments for that. To, to to be the to be the case um and also they are going to be best placed to do that they understand the technology best and um they are sort of um at they are at the cutting uh, or they are at the coal face of where this material is being placed and um you, you know have uh access to 
the the way the way it is posted in the in the first place. So they're 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 basically best placed to be able to censor. Whether they should be holding themselves to account for that censorship is another matter. Whether you know there should be an objective external body that sets the rules, and then you know Facebook are charged with uh, sort of policing that or or uh, or implementing it i suppose is is you know perhaps another model but i do, i do feel they have an obligation i think i i can only imagine the company itself feels they they also have yeah some i think obligation. they, they ha- i mean in, in my vision they have a, they have an obligation to allow society to self-police um so the, the you rather than have rather than having as employees of facebook and therefore being biased by facebook's um, desire to make money. So you know, one of the one of the reasons, one of the drivers for Facebook policing content is so that they don't get their sponsors, i.e., people advertising on Facebook, next to unhealthy content because that's bad for revenue. It's not an e- that that particular particular dimension is not an ethical thing. It's not an ethical driver. It's a that's purely profit driven. Where a, a a a better system perhaps would be to allow independent bodies of people to police Facebook and mm. Facebook just provide them the tools to do that. Much in the same way that sites like Wikipedia do. They have a set of principles and a, and a sort of collective mission and it self-polices. Um, it's not, there's no single arbitrary body that... that uh, yeah. That st- I mean, I think obviously, st- you know, community organising things, like you said, you know, um, ethics are, are relative and, you know, what, what happens if you get a particular... You know, if you if you had a sort of Mary Whitehouse kind of um, movement, you know, develop on on something like Facebook and very heavy censorship, uh, you know that that would be a would be an issue. But like you say, yes, that 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 commercial and ethical conflict of interest is is an interesting one. Okay, we need to wind up before we do. Is I feel that we're just starting to get into something here. It's yeah. Mm. Um, before I wind up, is there any final points that anyone wants to make? Looking well, at Peter, I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, it um, this all touches on um, the broader issue, which we, we we were trying to use Facebook as an example to get into this topic, but just in very in in summary, but data analysis as a as a thing is an, is an enormously powerful and uh, amazingly useful tool that we've generated as humans as a as a as a, as a technology. And it has great force for both good and potentially misuse for bad for evil. Um, but there's there's certain part there's certain sort of features of data analysis which obs- can can obscure the truth and can uh, have to be looked out for as a, if you're a data scientist. And just just uh, just a few. I mean, the data data is sort of uh, often held up as providing a an in, having an inflated level of objectivity. Just because it's written in hard numbers and you've got an algorithm or a model which helps you predict something, doesn't mean that it's it's truth, right? There is no truth out there. There's only a, there's only uncertainty, and information helps you erode that uncertainty. So it's not just truth because it's numbers. Um, it, there's also with with data often uh, unintended proxies creep in, and what I mean by that is if you're if you've got a, a large data set about about people and you're trying to make uh, predictions or policy decisions to to help those people in some way um but your 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 ethical framework precludes you making any judgments about based on race or maybe 
background or age or, or some sort of rule. Uh, so you eliminate those parts of the data set. So you say, well, we're not going to look at age and we're not going to look at, at, at ethnicity. Um, there may well still be proxies in the data uh, that that act as proxies for race. So even though you're trying to exclude it, where they live might be a very strong predictor of what what, what their ethnicity is. So uh, it's very difficult to exclude those things. So that's something else to watch out for. And, and another key thing is uh, the uh, phenomenon of, sort of compounded assumptions. So at every stage when you're conducting analysis with data, you're introducing assumptions uh, maybe maybe explicitly and maybe well recorded but also implicitly in what your selection of what tool you do it's what, it's a selection of what method you use uh, and your, the way you clean up the data the way you process and the way you visualize the data all add assumptions and which cloud further the potential truth as such it is, as it is within the data so as a data scientist you have to be cognizant of the limitations of what your of all methods you're using, and, and and I think we we are at a we are at a juncture where da data science has, um, uh, you know, is a is a, a sort of blooming um, sort of area of science and technology at the moment, and uh, but we are creeping into the territory where. Um, you know, some of some of these companies that have allegedly been involved in. Um, uh, data science um, exploitation of um, elections and trying to uh, do micro-targeting of, of swing swing voters. Um, and, uh, you know, w whether or not there is truth to that, we are in danger of um, a situation creeping in where data science, that we allow a narrative to be created where data science is seen as in some way uh, nefarious or... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, opaque and mysterious and conniving, and um, I think you know, data science, data science, the data science community need to get ahead of that curve and demonstrate that they are thinking uh, about the ethics of data science and that they are doing things with transparency and humility. Um, and uh, I, th I think this is a, a an area that needs to be, um, you know, much more robustly debated it's a shame because i feel that almost now our podcast should just be started because i think we're just starting to get into some stuff here so we'll have to park it and save it for another time very interesting um before we sign off um you're on facebook um we're friends on facebook right i'm looking at peter um chris are you on facebook uh, I'm not. I no. thought you might not be. So, um, just very, Chris very is brief. totally off the grid. He's, <laughs> yeah, he may as well not exist. There'll right. be no record of Chris after his death ever. Yes, just, anyway. just me in my uh, in my apocalypse bunker. Yeah. Yes, yeah. quite. So, just very, very briefly, because we don't have a huge amount of time. What do you mainly post on 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 Facebook, Peter? Very little. Uh, but it's usually some. It's usually it's usually something I found funny. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of posting endless photos of me at posh restaurants or on holiday and things. Try to, I try, try, try to. You have plenty of opportunity to I do that. Which I, yes, of course. But uh, I, I desperately try not to fall into that trap of projecting an, a false image of me uh, on Facebook. I like to try to use it as a uh, provide my friends and contacts with a sort of a bit of a window into my soul by exposing those things which I find particularly funny um, or, or amusing. 
Okay. That's a frightening window. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say that side. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I shall look because I don't see your, your post coming no, through. I, on but my I feedback. don't post very often. Yeah. Because it's it's, it's I use mine rather boringly, like a lot of people, is just show the world how wonderful my kids are and attractive. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. It's, it's pretty boorish. It actually. is. It is rather. I admit it. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, you must be nice this a 101 times. So, why aren't you on Facebook? Uh, well, that's that's a podcast in itself, I well, think. Okay, but... let's, let's not go down that, that rabbit yeah. hole. There's a very big secret there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, I really, really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Peter Coghill, Chris Ragg, um, listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast with Aleph Insights. Thank you, and until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.